This talk was recorded by Insight Meditation South Bay in Mountain View, California. For more talks and information, visit www.imsb.org. I'm delighted to see that there are some people interested in this topic. <laughs> I actually wasn't sure if anyone would show up. <laughs> this is a very interesting series that we have an opportunity to explore um, the precepts. Um, the precepts can apply to anyone, not just to monastics. So they can shape and help to uh, mold our, our lives in, in the world as we are lay people, householders. The particular precept that I want to speak about tonight is, it's actually uh, phrased um, in a couple of different ways. I undertake the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. Sometimes it's stated as, I undertake the precept to abstain from sexual misconduct. Sometimes it's stated, I undertake the training to refrain or abstain from sexual misconduct. Here's another version of the precept. Aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I undertake the training to refrain from using sex in ways that are harmful to myself or to others. I will attempt to express my sexuality in ways that bring joy and feelings of connection. I want to approach this topic with four different um, aspects. Um, I think it's helpful to take a, at least a brief look at what the sutta, the suttas have to say, the Buddha's teachings on this topic. I look at that as somewhat of an authority for helping to examine my life. So I'll say a little bit about the Sutta references. Secondly, why is this important to look at any precept? Third, what does my experience tell or show me? And the fourth aspect that I want to speak about is what can we do about this? What do the practices have to contribute to this examination? If you 
um, do not already know about the Buddhist list section on the imsb.org website, I think the next time you look at the website, you may want to go to the link of teachings. It's a pull-down menu. And on that site um, is a listing of Buddhist lists. And there's a very helpful one for the five precepts. A definition of this particular precept of undertaking the precept to keep, to refrain from sexual misconduct says, one abstains from sexual behavior that causes pain, suffering, or injury to others, including sexual activity that is damaging to relationships. So that gives us a little more background on where this is coming from. This particular precept is often referred to in the third order of the precepts. The observance of the precepts is a form of giving because one who undertakes precepts will be giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. And as a karmic consequence, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. The precepts help us develop self-restraint, the destruction of suffering, and they enable us to recognize the pristine, traditional, ancient gifts of the teachings. Some of these references I'm using are from the commentaries. That was from... Um, in the Buddha's words, Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation. So here's a quote from the suttas. Further, Mahanama, a noble disciple recollects his own moral discipline thus, I possess the moral virtues dear to the noble ones, unbroken, untorn, unblemished, unmodeled, freeing, praised by the wise, ungrasped, leading to concentration. When a noble disciple recollects his own moral discipline thus, on that occasion his mind is not obsessed by lust, hatred, or delusion. His mind is straight with virtue as its object. This is called a noble disciple who dwells evenly amid uneven population, who dwells without affliction amid an afflicted population, who has entered upon the stream of the Dhamma and develops recollection of moral discipline. It's quite common for the precepts to be preceded by 
taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. The Buddha is... The Dhamma is good medicine, right? So the Buddha is the doctor, the Dhamma is the medicine, and the Sangha are the nurses. When we investigate, study, look at the precepts, they fall into the sila branch of the Noble Eightfold Path. This is a quote from Gil Fransdahl. Buddhism understands virtue and ethics pragmatically based not on ideas of good and bad, but rather on the observations that some actions lead to suffering and some actions lead to happiness and freedom. A Buddhist asks, does this action lead to increased suffering or increased happiness for myself and others? This pragmatic approach is more conducive to investigation than it is to guilt. So I'm kind of laying out all the sutta references now from the Dhammapada. As a merchant carrying great wealth in a small caravan avoids a dangerous road, as someone who loves life avoids poison, so should you avoid evil deeds. As a merchant carrying great wealth in a small caravan avoids a dangerous road. As someone who loves life avoids poison, so should you avoid evil deeds. The five precepts are training for non-harming. They show us that Suffering is caused by misconduct. In the numerical discourses, right striving, training, is key to our spiritual development. There is a setback in training when we engage in misconduct. Protecting the mind through bodily, verbal, and mental deeds, we see the straight way. When they are unprotected, bodily, verbal, and mental deeds become tainted. Bodily, verbal, and mental actions become rotten. One whose body, verbal, and mental deeds become rotten will not have a good death. So, if you want a good death, <laughs> follow the precepts. In the middle-length middle discourses, I brought my big book because this is a good one and I have to read the whole thing. So the Buddha is giving advice to Rahula. 
you're not familiar with who Rahula was, that was the Buddha's, the Buddha's son. What do you think, Rahula? What is the purpose of a mirror? For the purpose of reflection, venerable sir. So too, Rahula, an action with the body should be done after repeated reflection. An action by speech should be done after repeated reflection. An action by mind should be done after repeated reflection. Rahula, when you wish to do an action with the body, you should reflect upon that same bodily action thus. Would this action that I wish to do with the body lead to my own affliction or to the affliction of others or to the affliction of both? Is it an, is it an unwholesome bodily action with painful consequences, with painful results? When you reflect, if you know this action that I wish to do with the body would lead to my own affliction or to the affliction of others or to the affliction of both, it is an unwholesome bodily action with painful consequences, with painful results, then you definitely should not do such an action with the body. But when you reflect, if you know this action that I wish to do with the body would not lead to my own affliction or to the affliction of others or to the affliction of both, it is a wholesome action. With pleasant consequences and pleasant results, then you may do such an action with the body. There is some reference to breaking the precepts as being crooked behavior. There are three kinds of crooked behavior. Based on lack of loving kindness and compassion, hatred and killing may arise. Based on harming and oppressing others, greed may arise. Based on lust, sexual misconduct may arise. So that's all kind of heavy-duty stuff (laughs) from when I was um, preparing this material. Um, there was ample examples in the suttas and in the commentaries on this particular precept and on all the precepts. So why is it important for us to look at any of the precepts? I'm going to give you um, some ideas, and as I mention them, um, you know, just see if they have any relevance to you, if if you have also found them to, um, to be useful. 
Behaving disgracefully affects our minds negatively. When we look at the teachings on morality, it's not as restriction, but rather as what liberates us. Looking at our behavior in relationship to the precepts, can we see how they protect us and others from harm? Looking specifically at sexual misconduct, it is an act of aggression. I'm not referring specifically to um, adultery because in some cultures and some societies um, that act is not adultery. People have multiple wives and husbands and it is legal in some cultures. So we have to look at What is the society and culture in which I'm living? I have found that um, when I started examining uh, my morality with any of the precepts, actually it was before I came to Buddhism, (laughs) um, I noticed that my emotions and mental states were affected by my behavior. So we have to ask, what emotional and mental state does this behavior induce? Once we know about the precepts, they are not commandments, but rather training rules that support our spiritual development the quality of our personal character. They are how an awakened person acts through intention, sensitivity, and a pure heart. They are principles to live by. The Buddha developed the precepts originally for monastics because he knew that our actions have a strong influence on our minds and habits and how easy it is to become entangled in our habits. Developing virtue is not as much about alleviating guilt as it is about freeing the mind. All we have to do is turn our attention inward and look at the quality of the mind after a particular action or the contemplation of an action. Do you know the mind when it is plagued with guilt? Do you know the mind when it is free of guilt?
The five precepts are part of a broader and deeper exploration of how our actions and choices lead to more pe- a more peaceful mind and being or greater stress, anxiety, and harm. Bhikkhu Analio speaks about the precepts. Actually, it's actu- uh, about... Uh, being swayed by sensual attraction. So a greater pleasure independent of sensuality is deep concentration, the happiness and bliss found within, free from attraction and aversion. Following the precepts puts us on the road for understanding the Four Noble Truths. Analio states, the mind is a source for purity and supreme beauty. It should be developed. So what does our personal experience tell us and show us as we reflect on what we are doing with our lives? We may need to change the kinds of friendships and relationships we have that encourage or entice us to act in ways that harm Sometimes difficult decisions do need to be made. In breaking any precept, we are choosing to ignore the effect it has on our minds and bodies. We overlook and justify bad habits. We rationalize our action with our own approval. We make it okay. In that act, we are overriding our wisdom and our common sense. So we shouldn't be complacent or indifferent to this or any tendency that causes the mind to suffer because it is avoidable. Is it easy? Not particularly. It takes wisdom, maturity, and development to be honest with ourselves about what we are doing. It takes strength of character, restraint, to change the behavior. the development of our spiritual understanding and intelligence helps us to understand that there are other ways of knowing happiness. The precepts are a way for us to take an honest look at what kind of life we are creating and how we're using and developing our minds, bodies, and hearts.
once I see clearly that some actions and thoughts lead to more harm, I make a conscious effort to stop that behavior, to not perpetuate it any further, because, number one, it is possible to change. Number two, once I've looked at it, I no longer feel the same thrill of doing that harmful action. Number three, acknowledging our wisdom is trying to guide us to more wholesome behavior. Number four, there is an immediate ease in the minds and hearts, in our minds and hearts when we acknowledge I don't need to do that. At that point, we've turned a corner. Sometimes when we override our good common sense and go ahead and do something unwholesome, break one of the precepts, it's kind of a childlike response of, the thrill of getting away with something. But that's crooked thinking. We don't feel completely clear and clean inside. Even if sexual misconduct is done in private and not so apparent to the outside world, our inside world is affected. So what can we do? If we take a look at our minds, our actions, our behavior, our lives, what do the teachings and practices show us and tell us how we can bring about a more wholesome state of mind? If the precepts speak to you, if you've been coming to the series, um, or they're readily available in all of the teachings, some lay practitioners recite them every day as part of their practice. All monastics recite them daily. Develop phrases that are meaningful to you May I develop myself in a way that people feel safe with me. In his book, Perspectives on Satipatthana, Venerable Analio has quite a lot to say about the problem of sensual attraction. The more one indulges in sensuality, the stronger one's sensual desire will in turn become. Even a king with all the sensual gratification at his beck and call will not be at peace inwardly because of his thirst for sensual desires. In other words, gratification of sensual desires is not a real solution as it only provides short-term relief at the cost of of the long-term increase 
a simile. Like a leopard who holds his wound, a leper who holds his wounds over a fire for relief, a person caught in sensual desires has a distorted perspective. One remedy is to contemplate the anatomical parts of the body, to recognize this body has many components. Where is the sensual attraction there? The primary problem in breaking the precepts is ignoring the dangers of indulging. Some pleasant feelings that must be abandoned because they increase unwholesome states and decrease wholesome states. The pleasure of desire increases attachment. An antidote is renunciation, dispassion for unwholesome activity that promotes attachment. Thoughts of sensual desire are harmful because they destroy wisdom. The antidote to sensual desire is to remember the impermanence of pleasant feelings. Our minds can easily become engrossed in obsessive thoughts about something that we desire but there's a gradual approach to calm the mind. So this is in an order of um, strength that we do this particular practice. So let's say that, um, okay, this particular topic um, is, or this particular precept is um, refraining from sexual misconduct. So some something has aroused our sexual interest. Another person. Thousands of ways that that could occur. The first suggested practice is replace the unwholesome thought with a wholesome thought, the desire. If that doesn't turn turn you around, reflect on the danger inherent in bringing that action into fruition. Set aside for a time the thought that I must satisfy this. Know what motivates the continued arising and relax the motivational force. And the last practice is press your tongue against the roof of the mouth, teeth clenched, forceful, and restrained. We need to engage our motivation for practice in dealing with any of the unwholesome states. So from um, 
the teacher Ken McLeod, motivation to practice and the urgency to do so. He suggests, remember these things. We have a precious human existence. Death and impermanence occur. The workings of karma and the shortcomings of samsara are real. Wherever you are in your life, whether you are at the beginning, middle, or end, be clear, as clear as you can be, about why you are practicing. You may or may not be able to put your motivation into words. That does not matter. What matters is that you feel it. You feel it in your heart. That feeling may be warm. It may be raw. It may be a relief to touch. It may be painful to touch. It doesn't matter. All that is important is that this is where, you, where your motivation, your calling lies right now. This aspect of urgency of practice is based in what you experience right now. So each day when you sit to practice, take a few minutes and feel and know your motivation. Venerable Analio has a different way of describing the Four Noble Truths. And I think this description applies to our examination of the precepts. Number one, recognize there is a problem. Second, that I am part of it. Third, the solution lies within me, the way out of the problem. Four, I will employ the method, namely changing my outlook and my intentions of how I conduct myself. I've spoken a great deal about the precepts in general we each one are, are our, our own examiners. We know where we need to make some change, if we do. In this honest look at, at ourselves, we must ask, do I see this behavior as a problem? Is it a problem in this society? How do I justify the action or the behavior? In our culture, there are endless opportunities and reinforcements to indulge in unwholesome activities. It's up to me 
what I engage with. You may want to ask, do the teachings, the offering of Buddha, the Dhamma, make sense to me? Perhaps it's another teaching that does. Do I have genuine interest in finding out how I can make the necessary changes to my habits and perspective? Who or what will be a guide? And most importantly, will I try it? Gee, feel a little bit like a <laughs> a moral <laughs> moral uh, teacher here. I do feel that examining our lives honestly um, at various times is essential for our growth and for our understanding. And the Buddhist teachings, the Dhamma offer one way to gauge that comparison of who I am now and where am I going? What do I want to bring forward in my life? It's not the only perspective that can help to guide our moral conduct but it's a, it's a pretty good one. So I ask again, what is your intention for practicing? Whatever that is at this time, I hope you honor that. That is some aspect of your internal heart and wisdom guiding you. One of the intentions that I most recently set for myself is to free the mind and develop deep compassion. I would like to... um, Be quiet now, and I invite you to be quiet with yourself. We always know where we need to make some adjustments. Sometimes we just need the invitation, the encouragement, the inspiration, kind of, you know, Yeah, encouragement. Take a look at this. As I look at all the precepts, I've done all of them. (laughs) Maybe we all have, maybe not, (laughs) maybe not all of us. I won't speak for you. Um, And... um, 
they definitely can help us get on a, a good path by honoring them, by believing in them, by living them. And when we don't, pay attention. How do you feel? What is the state of your mind? That's the surest measure. Do you feel clean, clear, at ease with yourself? So we will end with some meditation time. I will um, actually give you um, just a little taste of a practice that Bob Stahl did with the Saratoga group last Thursday. It's quite beautiful. And it's on the latest news section of the IMSB website if you haven't looked at it yet. Closing the eyes. Let the body be at ease. Breathing in, breathing out. No craving. Contentment and ease are present. Breathing in, breathing out, no hatred present. Contentment and ease with an open heart. Breathing in, breathing out. No ignorance present. Contented, at ease, with clarity, and wisdom.
In order for any unwholesome behavior to change, we need to be very clear about a higher motive. Goodness comes from this practice now done. Let me not hold it just in me. Let it spread to all that is known and awaken good throughout the world. May all beings know contentment, ease, clarity, Wisdom. Loving kindness to all beings.